Welcome along. It is the gardening program on a rather glorious Saturday morning. Porrick, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning, listeners. It's absolutely beautiful. Hard for that not to put a smile on one's face. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) All week long, I've been smiling. But it's great. It's great weather. It's really but interesting though. Your forecast is is it mentioned a little bit of grass frost and down to maybe three degrees at night time. So so we're just not out of the woods yet, even though the daytime temperatures. I know over the last couple of days, yesterday was just beautiful. It was fantastic. Uh, we're hoping for a little bit more of the same, perhaps a little bit cooler, but... At night time, yeah. yeah. And it's just something to keep an eye on if you, if people are putting out any tender plants, any kind of... I think we mentioned it last week mm. as well, just the summer bedding. It can be very tempting to go out and start planting up lots of summer bedding plants, but just be a little bit cautious, particularly just those that are a little bit more tender, like begonias and basilisies and marigolds, things like sweet peas and English marigolds and all the hardy stuff can certainly go out. But um, just keep an eye on that. Really up until about the first week of June, People just want to keep an eye uh, on that kind of softer stuff. But in terms of uh, vegetable plants and, uh, you know, fruiting plants and, and the hardier bedding plants and shrubs and trees in general, soil conditions are still uh, very moist. There's actually plenty of moisture in the soil. So it's really, really good planting weather. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's ideal, say, for putting in cottage garden plants, things like lupins and delphiniums and foxgloves that are all going to flower in the next couple of weeks, they can certainly go in for a bit of colour now or if you want to plant up, um, you know, some new trees or shrubs or hedging. That's perfectly fine and soil conditions are really good at the moment for that. But just for more tender plants, things like tomato plants or chilies or those plants that will suffer from uh, uh, cold temperatures, temperatures at night time not necessarily even frost I mean, you talked about northeasterly winds and that northerly wind is actually going to bring the temperatures down now over the next couple of days again so there there is that chill I suppose still in the evening time and at night time um, but perfectly fine if you remember last weekend we had the hanging basket demo yes. in the store and and uh, the, the, at the very first talk at uh, one o'clock, the basket I, d- I took from the audience was a 12-year-old hanging basket. Oh, Can you believe that? Okay. Somebody had a hanging basket for, uh, for 12, 12 years. years. So, so the same deli- basket, they obviously fill it <clears throat> every year. They fill it every yeah, year, yeah. yeah. So, the, so I, I was taught, you know, we we're just saying value for money. It was, it was certainly re- got from that particular basket. But yeah, I was delighted to do it up and planting up with hanging baskets and window boxes and containers. Mm. That can all go on certainly now. And my advice to to the audience was to put them in a sheltered spot. If you have a really kind of little sun trap in the garden, it, out of doors is fine, but in a nice little sheltered corner, out of the cold winds, maybe somewhere you can put a little bit of fleece over them at night time if we get some cold weather. Or great if you've got a glass house or tunnel. Yes. pop them in there and let them grow on. Right. So the planting up of hanging baskets, window boxes, containers in general, that certainly should go ahead uh, because you need plen- you need several weeks yet before you're actually going to plant them up. So there is that sense of having to grow them on for, for a, a couple of weeks. Um, now we'll be repeating that talk again on the 28th of May. So not this weekend, but the following weekend. And I'll remind listeners um, next week. So you've still plenty of time for doing up containers and we're repeating that talk again. And again, we put the same offer out. People can bring their baskets in. And right. it was interesting to see that the uh, odd shapes and sizes of the containers that, that came in for planting up some challenging oh, containers. Okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. No, no, no. We went, mm, that's for another day. Okay, okay. The other thing I would mention is particularly for listeners that have maybe planted up uh, pots, containers, or indeed planted new trees and shrubs in the garden, don't forget the watering because the wind and the and the temperatures 
will dry up containers very quickly. So keep an eye on that, um, particularly freshly planted plants. Uh, make sure that you water them well. Uh, even though the soil is quite moist, just keep an eye on them, um, particularly if we don't get rain for, for a couple of days because the wind has the same drying effect as, as, the, um, as, as the, the heat. The it's like drying clothes. You don't necessarily need a sunny day to dry them. Yes. They'll dry in, in wind as well. So newly planted plants, keep an eye on that. Keep them very well watered. Um, also start to feed plants now. So I mentioned before about the Osmo liquid feed. Yeah. and That's an organic feed. Generally a bottle, I, I checked it just, just to make sure, but a bottle does make, uh, make up 200 litres of mix. So one bottle will generally do you the season. And it's great for hanging baskets, window boxes, veg in the garden, general plants, herbs, for example. And it's an organic feed. That's quite good. And start using that about every fortnight now. Um, continue to plant veg out. <clears throat> Um, in the garden. I was watching Monty Don and Gardener's World last night, just flicked over for a, oh, a quick actually, see what I, he was up I, I to. I was watching something before that, but then I said, no, I have to wait. I'll save my gardening for tomorrow. Oh, I bet you did, yeah. <laughs> well, Monty Don was planting out the um, garden peas, um, pl- planting vegetables in general, and also planting sweet peas in the garden. So, you know, there's very much that sense, and, and he was talking about his, his soil is quite heavy in the UK where he gardens, so um, it was still quite moist. Um, but but certainly great planting weather and he was advocating getting plants into the garden. A lot of calls, uh, Deirdre, in the last week or two about laurels, hedging in general. Yes. And particularly yellowing of hedging. Well, as it just so happens, I was looking at my own fantastic specimen yesterday and uh, I was doing a bit of tidying up now, Porrick. I won't say I was going crazy, but I did notice there was... There's, I know there's one or two spots in my garden where the soil is uh, tends to be a bit wetter, shall yep, we say, yep. than in other... So, yeah, in that area, I did notice they were a little bit... Yellow. A little bit yellow, so yeah. I, I did notice it. Oh, I must put a bit of something on them now to, and many to try plants, and bring them on. Yeah, many plants are showing yeah. yellowing. And I, I think people tend to go out on the first couple of fine days and expect everything to be lush and green. Yeah, you know, I, got, gro- I could see the new growth coming, all right. Yeah, but, but it's very slow, it's slow this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if, if you look around the garden in general, growth is just starting. This week really has, has been the first couple of inches of growth on hedging plants in particular. Beech has only come into leaf in the last five or six days and hasn't really put on a really strong growth yet. Um, so you're getting that early flush of growth, but there isn't that, um, f- you know, new growth, yeah. that flush of growth. It hasn't growth. taken off. It hasn't really. No. And it, that's going to be, certainly with the temperatures, it's all going to help. And this coming week, we're going to see lots of new growth. But don't expect your plants to be full of vigour and mm-hmm. full of new growth just yet, because it has been a very difficult winter, a very wet winter, a very, very cold spring. Um, so plants do need some coaxing on and ge- generally you should apply a shrub fertiliser to most trees and shrubs now. If you want the laurels to show a nice bit of green colour then apply some Osmo Pro 6 or a, or a tree and shrub fertiliser. A granulated feed rather than a li- liquid feed. Right. Granulated feeds are better for trees, shrubs, herbaceous plants. The more hungry rhubarb, plants that need lots of nutrition you're better with a granulated feed. So Super Grow or Pro 6 rather than liquid feeds. Keep your liquid feeds, your hanging baskets, window boxes, herbs, those sort of plants. But in general it's a good time of year for feeding plants good time of year for feeding lawns as well again they have shown a lot of yellowing this year so just to give a bit of colour this is the time type of weather to be um 
to be focusing on that. Mm-hmm. We mentioned laund weeds a couple of weeks back and asked the listeners not to spray the daisies and dandelions that were in flower. The bees were visiting them. Can we, they, go, can we go for it well, now? Well, they, they've produced their, their seed now. Yeah. So if you need to clean out um, weeds in the lawn or weeds around the garden, the weather certainly at the moment is great for hoeing in general, for scuffling off weeds if you're planting a new bed or uh, in between shrubs for getting rid of that early weed growth because weeds are growing vigorously at the moment. Or if you do need to spray in the weather conditions, this sort of dry, calm weather is ideal for getting on, you know, weeds on the patio, weeds in the lawn, weeds in general around the garden. My advice is to take control of them now rather than leaving them for a couple of weeks and allowing them to flower and set seed and... um, you know, so the produce benef- the, ne- so next the ben- generation. The, be- the beneficial aspect of uh, the dandelions to the bees and stuff like that uh, has that time has passed. Well, it, it virtually got, has. Gotten, yeah, There's still some dandelions need. in flower. Right. Dandelions are a huge uh, pollen and, and nectar source for mm. bees early in the season when there's very little else in flower. So we tend to ask people to hold oh, off no, yeah. um, fire on, on those. But um, I'm, I'm noticing a lot of mare's tail, for example. You remember right. the old mare, mare's yes, tail weed? Yes. That's popping up now with a bit of heat. So it's it's weeds like that that you want to just take control of now rather than a couple of weeks' time, they're going to be more of a nuisance. Right. So it's really just to get on top of that. The garden hose still remains one of the best tools you can have in the garden, um, particularly those Dutch hoes that you can, you that the cut the weeds when you push and pull the actual hoe and it scuffles out an area very quickly. It's And particularly in this weather, they just Dutch wither. Ho. Dutch hoe, yeah, a Dutch hoe. The other thing I haven't mentioned for a couple of weeks, I don't think I've mentioned this year at all, is uh, in terms of climbers. And, and again, when, when the heat starts to rise, remember our friend Monty Don was planting his sweet peas last night. But climbers in general, this is the type of weather which, which makes ideal planting conditions. Okay. So the heat and the moisture in the soil, things like clematis, the lovely summer flowering clematis, climbing roses in particular. Um, and there's a lovely range of, of David Austin climbing roses, which are highly scented. Um, so I'm thinking of varieties like um, Falstaff, which is a lovely deep red, fantastic scent from that particular variety, Falstaff. It's um, a variety that you can grow as a tall shrub or as a climber. Um, beautiful double pink flowers, highly scented a really really nice one there's another variety called seagull which is a white variety oh that's Se- a great name yeah seagull yeah it's easy to remember or there's one called Zavrina Druhan Zavrina Druhan Zavrina Druhan which is the thornless rose oh. so if you've got children in the garden maybe and you want something that grow close to the house without thorns a rose that produces double pink flowers, a really, really nice one, Severina Druhan. That they call it, we call it the thornless rose because there's very few roses that don't have thorns. And Severina Druhan is one of those climbing plants that doesn't have thorns. thorns. So say around an archway or mm-hmm. somewhere you want mm-hmm. a climbing rose without the, without the thorns, that's a particularly good one. Another nice one is one called Dance de Few, which is a red, uh, it's a fragrant red, really nice one as well. Oh, there's like, loads of different oh. varieties. Of, of climbing roses but in general it's a good time to plant climbers climbing hydrangeas and um, this beautiful clematis montana rubens is in flower at the moment it's got lovely star shaped uh, pink flowers uh, beautiful color at the moment very very easy variety to grow but you could follow that up with some of the summer varieties mm. like Hagley hybrid or nearly moser or the president or jack manii which flower then throughout the whole summer. So in terms of planting, certainly the the climbers, it's a great time to get them into the soil. And indeed, planting in general, if it's trees or shrubs or hedging you want to put in, the soil conditions are absolutely perfect. So do get them in. You will see significant growth over the next couple of weeks. So that's kind of, um, uh, if if you want to go to my blog, which Mm -hmm. is horkins.ie, go on on to my blog there. Um, It's under the tab, Learn to Garden. I have all the, the tips for May. So things you should be, you could be doing 
suggestions. Suggestions, if, in case you just can't see <laughs> you it yourself. Think, exactly. <laughs> suggestions of what you could do through May. So it okay, kind of covers great. all the key things. But that's kind of a selection. So I suppose in general, it's a tidying up of the garden. It's a feeding of trees and shrubs in general. Yeah. A great time to sow seed of plants as well if you want to grow some vegetable seed or plant plants of vegetables out. All the hardy plants certainly can be put out now without any problem whatsoever. I would also plant up some containers, put them in a nice shelter part of the garden for a bit of colour for the summer. So it's generally that sense of getting on yes. top of the garden now and, and um, using the good weather. Yep, absolutely, yep. To, to, to the best of its advantage. Now, Park, we have a fabulous selection of questions already and we've only, I think, scraped the surface there. Right, let's talk about lawns, first yeah. of all, because now we are all out getting them cut. And Anthony, uh, who I suspect, like a lot of people, notes that parts of the lawn are going yellow and what do we feed? And somebody else has applied the Osmo five weeks ago. Do we go, or the zero rather, uh, do we go back again and give it another uh, another uh, okay. treatment? So or, generally yeah. for lawns, look, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a winter where we've had so much rainfall that every plant and lawns in particular are showing yellowing, they're showing a hungriness this year. Um, now yellow patches in the lawn can also indicate the activity of leather jackets and leather jackets will feed on the roots of, of um, grass, particularly in spring uh, late winter, spring, they're the larvae of the daddy long legs. You'll often see a lot of bird activity so starlings or birds picking at the lawn and mm -hmm. um, that'd be a sure indication you've got leather jackets there. So the first thing is to check for that because if you have got <coughs> leather jackets, they're a small rubbery uh, worm type, uh, maybe two inches long and they feed just under the surface of the soil and eat the roots and you get that yellowing patches which is very atypical of leather jacket damage. If you've got those, you want to use a product called Provado which you mix in water, you apply to the areas and that would kill them off. In terms of feeding the lawns, it's perfect weather at the moment for getting them on, getting feed on. I would use something that's slow released um, so you want to feed the lawn, you want to green it without forcing the growth. So use something like Park and Fairway, which is very good. It'll feed, if you apply it now, it'll green the lawn within about seven days and it'll continue to feed that lawn for about a month and a half. It'll keep a lovely rich green colour. So you reapply about the middle of June towards the end of June and that keeps the lawn in really tip-top condition mm -hmm. without forcing growth. So don't put agricultural feeds on them like 10, 10, 20, because you're just forcing the growth. So something like a, a typical lawn feed, like Park and Fairway, uh, will green it up. In terms of the zero, that's used to kill moss. So obviously the listener did that a couple of weeks back. Mm -hmm. If you've got some left over, the zero will help to green up the lawn as well. And it'll give it a tonic. So if you have some left over, certainly you can reapply that. And that's simply done through the spray machine. Ideally in the evening time before the dew comes, uh, spray it onto the area. It'll give the lawn a bit of a tonic. It'll help to keep it lovely and green. And if you've missed any moss, it'll eliminate that as well. So in general, this time of year is a great time for feeding um, lawns, controlling weeds, controlling moss. It's also a really good time for sowing new lawns. So if you're so, interested in putting in a new lawn, the, the temperatures at the moment are absolutely spot on. perfect. Right. And the soil conditions, you'll be able to work the soil now and till it up and get it ready for sowing. Okay, so you'll get good germination of the you seeds will. and all that kind of thing at this at this point. Absolutely. Now. If you sow a lawn, say, this weekend, it will germinate within 10 to 14 days. So by June, July, you've got yourself an excellent lawn. You'll be cutting it at that stage. You'll have a super lawn going into the midsummer autumn period. Now, what would we plant for a wedding in July? You're spoiled for choice. 
long have we got? July is a super, you know, it's a really great month because June, July, you've got so many plants in, in flower. Um, oh, what could you do? I mean, look at roses will be in full bloom, which would be beautiful for, for weddings. A lot of the centre roses I mentioned, you could do them in tubs and containers. Um, all their summer bedding plants, your begonias, your geraniums will all be flowering. There's a lovely plant. I have it actually in flower in my own garden. I put it up on, on mm-hmm. my Twitter account. When I was leaving this morning at, at uh, 8 o'clock, I took a picture of it. It's a plant called Agaranthemum. And, uh, well, we, we talked we, about that we on did. the programme last week. Did I bring it in last week? week? Did I? No, but we talked about All it right, on the okay. programme last yeah. week. Yeah. Well, there you go. So there's a plant that's been flowering for the past month. I have it in a, in a, in a planted container just outside the, the patio door. Um, it grows perfectly well, even with the cold temperatures we're having uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's there about a month now. And um, that plant will stay in flower until September or October. It comes in shades of reds and yellows, whites, pinks. Um, daisy-like flower, quite a, quite a large flower, but very easy to grow. So go on to my Twitter account, which okay. is at Pori Corkin. You'll see it was literally taken this morning okay. as I left so. for the studio. <laughs> uh, and I've underplanted... No photoshopping with, involved at all. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, and, not that I'm implying oh, anything. Oh, no, come on. And uh, I underplanted it with plants like scented dianthus, which are lovely. Right. And uh, a lovely plant called Bidens, which is a yellow flowering plant, so it'll contrast really nice lovely. with the red agaranthemum. So, but look, at July is a great month. Hydrangeas will be in flower. There'll be loads and loads of plants. Generally for weddings, what I advise is come, come to the garden centre about two weeks before yeah. the wedding and you'll get the plants that are actually just, just coming, coming into in. flower. You know, rather than trying to plant now, and wondering, and what, wondering what are they going to look like yeah, exactly. and will, will that be bigger or smaller exactly. or will it, do is I it need right two shade? or do I need four or whatever it is yeah. pop in a couple of weeks beforehand and you, you get yourself set at that stage but there'll be tons of plants that will be flowering through July now what are the names of the plants that will keep the flies off my windowsill and can <sighs> I grow them indoors can these are very popular this year uh, the eau de cologne eau de herb cologne mint, mint yeah, yes the old mint uh, yeah very good and that's one that you can infuse in water so you simply just pick the leaves so it's a variety of mint called Eau de Cologne. It's a perfumed mint. Mm-hmm. You grow it in a pot, you crush the leaves, put it into a, a little hand sprayer, spray it onto the windowsill indoors or out of doors, and the flies dislike the smell of that. There's another plant called the geranium, the um, lemon-scented oh, lemon geranium. Scented, I'll bring yeah. in one next week, actually. Um, it's an interesting plant in that it's edible. You can use it for cooking. Yes, okay. Yeah. So for fish dishes or anything that lemon is important in your chin and tauntaun. <laughs> but I'll leave her to it. How did you know? Right? You can put it into ice cubes and use it for drinks. Oh, that's very right? clever, yeah. But it also keeps the flies away. Right. Right. So that's lemon scented geranium, lovely plant, citrusy lemon scent, particularly in a warm windowsill indoors. You don't even have to touch the leaf. You'll get the yes, smell. Fair. It'll meet you as you walk in the door, the scent of the plant. Um, it's very easy to grow. You, again, you can d- diffuse the leaves in water if you want or infuse the leaves in water and hot water, spray it onto areas that flies were a problem. But it's a great um, herb, really. It's an edible yeah. plant that can be used in, you know, if you're putting in fish, a fish dish, you can literally put leaves of it in the bottom of the tray as you're baking fish or anything that you, you want lemon. Yeah. Uh, a lemon, uh, natural, natural lemon, lemon flavour, then it's fantastic for that. So that's lemon scented geranium. It's a, it's a flavour I a lovely plant. love. And like when people touch the leaf, everyone says, oh, isn't what is fantastic? That? Yeah, okay. I brought it into to, uh, Sean O'Rourke. Yes. I probably shouldn't tell you this, but I brought that's it to okay. Sean O'Rourke. That's okay, yeah. <laughs> and here he was, we were chatting away, and here he was eating 
the yeah. leaves of it as I was chatting to him. And the and next thing, when we finished the programme, the producer walked in and demanded that she have the plant. She wanted to bring the plant home with her. So it's a really nice plant, easy to grow. It's in the geranium family. It's called lemon-scented geranium. It's grown for its leaves rather than its flowers. And the great thing about it is that you've got the scent in the leaves 12 months of the year. And does it produce flowers? It does produce flowers, but they're insignificant. Right. You, you don't grow the plant for its flowers. Right. You grow it for, for its, its foliage. Right. But the nice thing is that flowers in a geranium generally last four or five, six months maybe, whereas the foliage foliage last 12 months of the year. So you've got that lemon scent even in winter, winter time. time. It's always there. Okay. Um, now, I'm looking for a plant to use as a centrepiece in a large terracotta pot outdoors, a plant that flowers maybe on a short stem. Right. Ooh, well, right. you've got things like um, so standard plants that are trained on a short stem. So you'd have plants like uh, trailing fuchsias, which are just coming into flower at the moment, and they'd be lovely. They'll go from May right through till September, October in flower. The nice thing about the stem is it allows you to underplant. So in a big terracotta pot, you've got your fuchsia or your agaranthemum or your standard rose. There's lots of plants that will be available on a, on a short stem. Mm. But it does allow you then to plant around the base of that with other summer bedding. So you've got two layers of colour and particularly in a large tub that'll look really, really right. well. You can have training plants like the plants I mentioned, the Bidens, the Bacopa, training Lobelius, hanging out at the edge of the terracotta pot and then the standard agaranthemum or mm -hmm. fuchsia or miniature rose in the centre. Yeah. It'll look really well. And this is the time of year to plant them up. Now, is, are, is chicken fertiliser good to feed laurels, asks Mary? Well, chicken, chicken fertiliser will feed laurels but I would use something stronger. Chicken manure is generally used when we're planting plants um, so it, it's ideal when you're putting in the hedge initially or it's great for when you're putting in vegetables or some potatoes or plants like that but really for shrubs where you've laurel is a very as you know is a very very vigorous mm. plant it demands it's got big leaves it demands lots of nutrition so I would use something that would have a bit more energy okay. and kick in it so a tree and shrub fertilizer really would be better. So keep the chicken manure more for when you're planting young plants, or yes. for feeding your vegetables or your herbs or that sort of general uh, lighter use, as it were. Go for a stronger fertilizer when it comes to trees and shrubs because laurel they put on 18 inches of growth, so they need something that would more of a kick in it. Okay. So again, I'd use the the Pro Six or a tree and shrub feed. Look for a tree and shrub feed in your local garden centre. It'll be granulated, and there'll be a little bit more. Uh, fertilizer and energy in it than the chicken manure. Now there's nothing wrong with the chicken manure yeah, but it, but it, it doesn't have the same level of nutrition as a tree and shrub feed and generally with laurels you would feed them now and repeat it in about four to six weeks because as I said last week the main growing period would be between now yeah. and about the middle of July. So feed them at that, that stage. Now somebody has the soil dug, fertilizer mm. added and are now wondering what vegetable seed can they sow? Seed, uh, okay. Wondering about carrots, is it too soon? Also what other plants can I have in my vegetable beds? Okay well look at the, there's such a wide range, I mean the temperatures at the moment are suitable for sowing. Carrots can be a bit fussy when it comes to temperature. You need the sort of temperatures we have at the moment, 14, 15 degrees to actually get them to germinate. So the weather conditions are perfect at the moment for sowing. Parsnips, carrots, peas, beans, um, all the salad crops, so lettuce, cabbage, uh, Chinese leaves, Swiss chard, all of those can be sown from seed now. But what I would advise, the fact that you've got the soil ready, get yourself some plants. So pop into your local garden centre. There are plants like kale available at the moment, cabbage, Swiss chard, spinach, all of those are available as plants. So they've been sown about four weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So you've got a four-week start and also sow some seed at the same time. So do a bit of both. both. So you're, you've got that successive sowing and cropping right through the summer then. So the fact that the soil is ready, 
there's lots of there's nothing really you cannot sow I suppose but let me put it that way right. in terms of vegetables all the seeds can be put in now and um, temperatures are perfect at the moment but always put in some plants as well Okay seeing as you have gone to the bother absolutely. of doing the, all the preparation work which a lot of the yeah, time absolutely. is the you biggest amount um, that you'll have have good Now with carrots my tip with carrots yeah. is when you're sowing them is open up the drill with the with the fork or with a small trowel Put some compost, potting, ordinary potting compost into the actual little drill and sow the seed along the top of the comp- potting compost. You'll find that the germination will be more even and it'll be more uniformed. In cold soil, it can be very erratic uh, so that the compost creates a warmer germinating temperature around the seed. So open up the drill, put in a, just a small layer of potting compost, sow your seed, cover it with potting compost, water it in well and you'll find the germination far more successful because carrots can be a little bit tricky for people. Okay. All of the veg, dead simple. You don't need to do the compost bit right. for them. But for with them. carrots, you'll find right. it very successful, yeah. Now, Agnes is in Ballina and she's got a difficulty with a frog in the garden. He has <laughs> burrowed under uh, Pora Corkin's best rose, I'm oh, told. Okay. Uh, I won't, she doesn't want to go near it. Her neighbour weeds around it. Uh, how can she get rid of him painlessly? Oh, the poor old frog. Of, He's doing them? a job. Well, I'll tell you the job that they do do is they, they hoover up all your slugs and snails. So leave him alone. Would be my advice. There's no need to disturb him. He's not yeah. going to do any damage to the rose. Yeah. He's not going to feed on the rose or do any damage whatsoever. Um, so I would just leave him where he is. And he'll actually probably he'll protect, out, he'll protect he, the rose in his own way. He'll come out at night time and hoover up any slugs, snails. They're fantastic for... for um, that's what they feed mm. on. So um, there's no need to... There's no, there's no need to, to remove them from the ecosystem Absolutely not. All. No, there's no, no necessity whatsoever. I know. Uh, she, I, I'd say Agnes might be a small little bit squeamish about the frog, but uh, just pretend, pretend you can't feel? see him. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> no. Right. Look, leave him alone. He's, he's doing good. He's part of the eco-cycle. He's there to, he's, he's eating uh, pests that's, in the garden. Okay. Look, that's what you want to be encouraging. Uh, what would be the latest time to plant potatoes, asks a regular listener. About half four. <laughs> <laughs> this afternoon. Yeah. Look at you can plant as I did I say this last week that you can plant I think yeah we could go for another couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can plant for the next three weeks. Yeah. Like get them in because they're sprouting um at the moment. So the sooner you get them into the ground the better. But uh look at this the time of year to, to finish off planting potatoes. Now, what product would one use to feed bay trees? Well, if if they're growing in pots with which people generally have them in maybe, you know, outside a hall door or um in, in large containers then I would use the slow release fertiliser you can get a it's a granulated feed it's a slow release feed it feeds up to six months and you simply just apply that to the top of the pot just work it into the even if you could scrape off maybe an inch or two of the old compost mm. replace that with fresh compost and through that mix some of the slow release fertiliser I was showing it at the demo last week in terms of hanging baskets and containers because it's very good it's it's um, heat sensitive which means that the grains only release their nutrition as the temperature warms up. Okay. So when we get cold weather, it locks down. So it's That's not, you're it's not actually wasting uh, it doesn't, anything. Exactly. Yeah, so as you're watering your container, if the plant isn't physically growing, none of the fertiliser is lost. And that's why it's called slow-released fertiliser because it's heat sensitive. It's released with the temperature in the soil. So as the soil warms up, it releases more fertiliser because the plant needs it. And then as things get colder, it locks down again. So it's a commercial fertiliser mm. that is now made available to gardeners, to gardeners. and it's sold as, as slow-release fertiliser. Wow, Little grains. Fantastic. The other nice thing about it is that it doesn't scorch plants. 
So if, if you put it on the roots of plants or mm. if you mix it, as I was mixing it last week before the hanging basket plants, when you put the plants in, even though they may be touching grains of it, it doesn't scorch no. the roots. So it's very safe to use. You could also give a liquid feed as well during the summer for bay leaf. Um, so something high in nitrogen uh, because you want the leafy Fixed growth. growth yeah. So uh, bio make a very good outdoor uh, liquid feed as well. So I would mix some of the slurries feed because that gives you consistency and regular feeding right through the summer okay. but also top that up occasionally with an odd liquid feed because you're going to be watering the plants anyway. Now I'm assuming they're in pots. If they're out in the open garden soil then you can use a tree and shrub feed. Right. A granulated tree and yeah. shrub feed going back to the Pro 6 would be ideal for that. Okay, lovely. Now, um, just picking up there, somebody had tended the basket demo last Saturday. They've planted their baskets but Great. forgot what type of nasturtiums you used in the baskets. Can you repeat it, please? Okay. Yeah. So what I, what I was showing last week was obviously planting up um, when we're hanging baskets with, with plants and the point I was making that once you've finished, you can put it nasturtium seed right in at the edge of the rim of the pot. Now you need to use the dwarf varieties. And the idea of putting the seed in is, it takes about a month for the seed to germinate and start to grow. So that gives enough time for the hanging basket plants to actually fill out um, ahead of the nasturtiums, because otherwise the nasturtiums can tend to smother and take over the basket. Mm -hmm. So look for the, the dwarf trailing varieties. The, some of the ones I mentioned were varieties like Alaska, which has got variegated mottled leaves, so they've got fantastic colour in the leaf but also lots of really good colour in terms of the flower and they'll only grow about a foot out of the basket so right. it's a very compact variety Tom Thumb is another really good one as the name suggests it's nice and, and short oh, Cream yeah. Delight was a yellow flowering it's all yellow flowers really bright butter yellow flowers um, which is quite nice so if you're using lots of reds and stronger colours the to yellow balance it out yeah so that's Cream Delight um, what other one did I show Empress of India which is a red so Empress of India is pure red, Cream Delight is a yellow nasturtium variety, Alaska is one with the variegated leaves and Tom Thumb is a mixture of colours. Any of those will be suitable in hanging basket containers. They're very compact, they're very neat and they're not going to take over. Go on. Yeah. I know this one that came in a, a, a couple of weeks ago and I'll be perfectly honest this is one that I'm interested in as well because I was good. looking at a very ugly oil tank in my garden yeah so you know I suppose particularly maybe houses that were built 10 years ago and there wasn't a huge amount of planning about where the oil tanks went so they were plonked in some instances and how does one go about covering it up making it look a little more aesthetically pleasing? well you want to cover it up but you also want to leave access yes access for, is important right? obviously yes. and the other thing is that diesel and or, or paraffin or yes, whatever used yeah. is one of the best weed killers known to man. So if it gets on plants, if, okay. if a bit of spillage, it will actually destroy sure. plants as well. Right. So, so be very careful. careful when you're when you're putting plants mm. around the tank. Generally speaking, what you do is you put up some trellis work mm -hmm. um, to the front of the of and to the side of the oil tank and plant some climbers, some vigorous climbers to cover it up. So you could pl use plants like Clematis montana that that I mentioned before. Yeah. You can use evergreen. Uh, climbers like the evergreen hydrangea or evergreen Virginia creeper, which will hold the leaves in, in winter. There's a lovely plant called Solanum glasnevin, which was found in, in Glasnevin, the Botanic Gardens. Solanum is in the potato family. Right. Solanum glasnevin. Solanum one of my favourite plants. It's um, and it's uh, there's another variety called Solanum jasminoides, which means jasmine-like flowers. They're two great plants. So Solanum has got uh, glasnevin has got beautiful blue flowers from early June right through to September, October. It's very easy to grow. 
um, it's quite vigorous it'll cover a six or eight foot area right. okay. jasminoides is the same plant but pure white flowers jasmine like flowers Ooh, lovely. there's no scent off them okay. but it's a really vigorous far easier to grow than jasmine so those two plants Solanum glasnevin and Solanum jasminoides would be two really nice plants and through them you could mix something like Clematis maybe uh, Clematis Hagley Hybrid or Nelly Moser just add a little bit of additional colour but either of those would cover it up I mean the other alternative is to plant um, you know if, if you haven't got soil for example mm. you could get some troughs large troughs and plant some evergreen plants like the bay leaf yep. or um, maybe Laura Etna or Fotinia, something like that would like that would just mask, mask it, the area. Yeah. But the climbers are generally the best way to do it. A little bit of trellis, let them grow on the trellis, keep them back from the actual tank okay. itself, and that's green enough. Uh, now, can you advise on a selection of flower and burying trees for my garden, please? Some parts are open to the wind and some sheltered. I want trees that will bury in autumn. Okay, so shelter and and exposed and and <coughs> uh, exposed. Yeah. So for the exposed part of the garden, I would go for trees. If you want flowers and fruit, go for varieties like Critagus Paul Scarlet which we've talked about before mm-hmm. it's got double pink flowers this time of year it's related to the white thorn Orn, yeah. but it's extremely hardy and it produces orange red berries in autumn so a really easy plant to grow Sorbus aureolutescens probably one of the best seaside trees a great tree that will tolerate lots of wind lots of exposure white flowers in May and June red berries in the autumn there's lots of in the mountain ash family so you have varieties like Sorbus Joseph Rock which has got yellow berries Sorbus commixta, which has uh, bright red berries. So there, anything in the, in the Sorbus or mountain ash family would be very good. So those three for the exposed areas, the uh, Critagus, the white beam and the mountain ash would do very well. Right. Holly, of course, would look really, really good as well. For the sheltered part of the garden, there's a lovely tree called Cornus Milky Way. I think I mentioned it before. Um, it's a beautiful tree that comes into flower in June and July. Bright uh, white star-shaped flowers, Milky Way, yes. as the name suggests. So kind of large flowers, uh, very, very colourful. The bark is quite interesting as well. It's got a colourful bark. The leaves go a fantastic autumn colour, but it produces strawberry-like fruits in October. And they are edible. So there's a nice tree, Cornus Milky Way. This is the time to plant it. It gives lovely colour. Um, that would be quite nice. So they're probably the best of the of the burying. Cotoneaster would be another easy to grow uh, there's some evergreen varieties, there's some deciduous varieties. So Cotoneaster, the Cornus Milky Way, the Critagus Paul Scarlet, White Beams and Mountain Ash and Hollies. They'll give you tons of berries. Now, will bedding plants be still available in two or three weeks' time? Oh yes, they will, yeah. And and the point I'm making about the bedding plants is really just, it's just the frost-sensitive varieties. So things like anthraniums, English marigolds, sweet peas, white alisum, all of those can be planted now without, without any fear of damage from frost. It's the softer things like begonias and basilisies and geraniums to keep an eye on. Yeah. And they'll still be available in June, so don't right. worry about that. So you can still continue to plant the hardy mm. stuff. Things like violas, pansies, they can all go out now without any problem. And again, ask in your local garden centre what's frost sensitive what's perfectly okay to put out and and uh, so you can continue to plant but just keep hold back on the uh, more tender stuff my turnips had a hollow soft center last year they looked perfect until i cut through them what is this okay well that's boasting boasting of uh, turnips we generally get this question every year yes. um it's it's where you don't have boron in your soil um so if you're growing turnips or suedes make sure you add a boron rich uh, fertilizer to the soil. The best one to put on is one called Vitex Q4, and that contains 
good good levels of boron. Boron is a micronutrient, but where it's not available to turnips and suede, they have a hollow heart or a soft heart, right. and they go both. And they look perfectly fine well, until you actually slice them open. Very disappointing. So mix some of the, the Vitex Q4 through the soil when you're sowing the seed or when you're planting, if you're transplanting, um, what generally you sow from seed anyway, and that'll correct the problem. If you have turnips sown, you can still put on the, the Vitex Q4 anyway. You can rake it in around the, the edge of the soil. Is it okay to spray strawberries and tomatoes with bug spray? Also, I see something eating the leaves of my bedding dahlias. Okay, well that's going to be slugs and snails. Or the other thing that can actually affect dahlias is a a pest called flea beetle, which is... um, it's very distinctive on the leaf in that it tends the ten flea beetle is a small beetle that eats the the leaf so little holes in the leaf where the slugs will tend to be on the outer extremities of the leaves so just identify what it is first of all because obviously if it's slugs and snails you use a slug and snail control if it's a pest then you use um, a, a different product mm. you use something like the bug spray would be fine on the dahlias in terms of the strawberries they're in flower at the moment so don't spray them now the bees are visiting the flowers you need the bees to pollinate the flowers so hold off on any spray uh, on your on your strawberries certainly until after flowering and generally speaking i wouldn't bother spraying strawberries i mean you're eating the fruit off them so yeah. unless they're covered in green fly then leave them very much alone uh, in terms of the tomatoes they tend not to need spraying for pests they can suffer from diseases like like um, black leg or blight right. on potato on uh, tomatoes so generally speaking you don't need to treat tomatoes or strawberries un- unless you see pests That's evident on them and tomatoes don't suffer really from pests as such right you're really talking about an infestation now I suppose. exactly right. you know if they're really yeah. bad then you can certainly treat them but you know on your edible plants you want to be just careful what you're using um, now bug spray from memory is made from pyrethrum I mentioned this last week um, the chrysanthemum plant so it's, it's, it's quite a good one to use but um, certainly avoid the strawberries because the bees are visiting them at the moment uh, can I plant cherry blossom now I have it in a pot but I'd like to plant it in the lawn yes is the answer. It's great great weather for planting all plants and when you've a, a, a tree in a container you've absolutely no risk of uh, it, 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 it being disturbed by transplanting it because you lift it cleanly out of the pot and plant it into the soil. It's different if you were digging it up and transplanting it. We're gone too late for that now. Plants are actively growing so don't start digging them up and moving them. But certainly plants and trees and shrubs and hedging that are in pots, pots no right. problem at all. Give it a really good soaking plant it, stake it well and uh, add a bit of fertiliser to the soil when planting. If the weather stays dry, it, water it in a, in a week or 10 days' time. It'll do fantastic for you. And can you move beech at the moment? No, no. don't move any plants. Right. Don't don't dig so plants don't up out of the ground. Sorry. Beech is now yeah. in leaf, so okay. it's actively growing. Right, so if it's in the ground, leave it there. If it's in a pot, you can put it in. It. <laughs> exactly. What, sorry, I should have listened to what you said the first time. What is the name of the self-fertile blueberry plant? I only have room for one or two plants what are my options? Okay, well, the self-fertile one is one called a variety called Darrow, D-A-R-R-O-W. Um, quite a good variety because A, it's self-fertile, it'll bear fruit on its own. It does very well in containers or you can plant in the garden soil if you put down lime-free compost with it. And Darrow produces large grape-like blueberries. Oh, it's so a very, big, very fat, big, big, yeah, big, it's a fat big, blueberries. fat, uh, plump berries so that's probably one of the best varieties to grow so look for that Darrow um, you can plant it with other blueberry varieties or you can plant it on its own okay. because it is self-fertile uh, Is Grow More suitable for hydrangeas asks Helen Well Grow More is a very good general purpose fertiliser it tends to be used more on vegetables uh, what, for hydrangeas you want a high potash fertiliser so something like a rose feed would be better or something like the um, the Pro 6 again something that has high potash the K element um, because that denotes 
it's flowering and fruiting in plants. So high, there's nothing wrong with putting the grow more on. Mm. It'll encourage lots of nice leafy growth, but I would add uh, uh, preferably a high potash, potash feed. So rose fertiliser is probably one of the best for hydrangeas. Okay, and from rose fertiliser, let's talk about roses for a moment. Uh, okay. We have a question. Um, somebody would like to set roses that are easy to maintain, okay. have plenty of flowers, <laughs> wondering what will be best and is it too late to plant? Well, first of all, it's not too late. So again, you're you're going to be getting purchasing roses now that are in full leaf. They'll be coming into flower in a couple of weeks' time. So it's a perfect time for getting them into the garden. Generally, when you're planting roses, you put them in in clusters of the same colour. They tend to look better. They grow a uniform height. So I would be thinking easy to grow varieties. There's a great one called Trumpeter, which is beautiful floribunda variety, which means literally many flowers. Um, So on each stem on Trumpeter, you get up to six to eight blooms vivid red it's a disease resistant variety it tends to be relatively low growing about two and a half feet in height and it looks really well when it's planted on mass so if you put in a dozen or 15 of them together they look spectacular you could also put another variety called arthur bell easy to remember it's a bright butter yellow really vivid yellow it mm-hmm. makes a lovely cutting rose beautiful scent from that rose as well and very easy to grow the one I mentioned at the top of the programme Falstaff is a really it's a kind of the old English style rose that old cottage garden rose velvet rich chocolate rich oh, flower beautiful one fantastic scent um, kind of a shrub rose more than a, a formal oh. kind of bush rose but look at there's loads of variety flower carpet you know people love those mm. the, the pinks and reds of flower carpet again they're disease resistant resistant and easy to grow my advice is pop into your local garden centre they'll give you advice on the rent there's, there's hundreds of different varieties of roses look for ones that are disease resistant ideally scent it if you yeah. can um, you know and something that's that's trouble free you know and plant on mass if you can yeah. or you could plant a, a standard rose those mm-hmm. that are grown on the on the stem Same, yes. and then underplant with other roses underneath okay, which looks really well as you get the flowers impressive. at two different heights yes now uh, a listener in Knock cut back their lavender plant perhaps too severely in March. They fed it with slow-release feed at the same time. It looks dead. There's no green growth on it at all. Will it recover? <laughs> well, it, you know, they, they probably have answered the question themselves. I mean, if you prune <coughs> lavender too severely, mm. it won't reshoot. It's one of these plants that you want to be... You cut into relatively young wood. Um, now, look at, again, growth has been slow this year. They've, they've done what they can. Yeah. Leave it alone. Let's see what happens. Within the next two to three weeks, if you're not seeing some new shoots breaking close to ground level then it's not going to come through so it really just depends how old the plant was and how severely it was pruned back you know generally speaking you reduce lavender back by about 50% about halfway back cutting into young wood as much as possible and then if it shoots further down you can further cut it back but cutting it very severely back to old wood they generally don't shoot from that again now I would wait give it a fortnight give it a fortnight fortnight, certainly up to the first week of June and then take a look at it and there should be nice inch long new, sh- new growth yeah. around the base okay. of the plant. Yeah. Uh, does And does lavender last a long time? La- the thing that with lavender is like, a, and I've said this umpteen times it's it's a Mediterranean plant mm. what it dislikes in Ireland is the wetness, the wet soil. Yeah. If you if it's got the ideal conditions it'll last for years okay. and particularly if you're trimming it back because you're rejuvenating yeah, okay. the plant all the time but in heavy wet soils you lose it right. and lots of them have gone this year because of it's been just so wet and yeah. so miserable. It's not the cold that kills them, yeah. it's the actual it's the, it's heavy wet soil. So when you're planting lavender, lots of grit and gravel into the soil. Yeah. Impoverish the soil, make it poor, make it gravelly, make it gritty. That's what lavender... That's what it likes. Yeah. Now, somebody got 2010-10 from Northern Ireland for the garden right. and it killed the moss and yeah. it's lush green. Okay, I can, can imagine. 
<laughs> can't get it in the Republic. Is there any equivalent? Well, remember that, like, so fertilizers are sold, you know, NPK. So yes. N is the, the N is the nitrogen. Is the nitrogen. And if you've got 20 on nitrogen, you know, think of 10, 10, Green, 20 is yes. really high. Yeah. You've got a very high nitrogen so contact, 10, 10, which right. tends to drive the, 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 the uh, grass That's mad. And you get this very lush greening, which equals to a lot of cutting, but it also stresses the grass as well, because most of the grass species that we sow from lo- in lawns are slow growing, creeping. And um, what they don't want is lots of fertilizer. They want a greening. They want a slow release fertilizer that will green up the, the color, but not force the growth. So generally, we don't use high nitrogen fertilizers on lawns. You want a slow release form. Um, in terms of the moss control, look at, uh, you know, we've got fantastic reports back on the zero. zero. People are delighted <coughs> with that. So if moss is the main thing you want to control, put the zero on. It'll work within a day or two and clean out the moss and then put on something like a slow release lawn feed like Park and Fairway to green it up. Okay. Now, the listener could use the Osmo moss remover as well. That's It's got MP in it but it's always got the moss remover as well one or two more before we finish up Uh, my strawberries and red currant bushes are showing a lot of foliage at the moment says Bridge I wonder if this will reduce the amount of fruit it produces no they they won't really I mean they're actually in flower at the moment the uh, black currants uh, gooseberries the fruit is actually set on them already Mm. so if you look closely on the plants you'll see lots of flowers along the the plants so there's nothing to worry about Um, you know that's just the first flush of growth they won't actually produce an awful lot more growth do keep an eye out for aphids on blackcurrants and, and um, redcurrants and gooseberries, you'll notice the leaves will become kind of um, blistered. There'll be little purple blisters right. uh, um, on the actual leaves if aphids are, are there and if they are, take some control with them. With that. And finally, I have a Calathea crocata in yeah. my hall Lovely with orange flowers plant, yeah. doing well, except brown spots coming on the leaves. Uh, Susan asks, would it need repotting or a feed? Yeah, this is a good time of year for uh, Calathea. Are, are, they're fantastic indoor plants. They're very easy to grow. Um, lovely leaf structure and flower. But now is the time to repot them. So take that plant, repot into a larger pot using a good quality compost. Um, water it about, if it's in a hallway, maybe once uh, about every 10 days, every 14 days and off. Keep it kind of on a semi-dry basis and it'll produce lots of new growth uh, to replace that, that damaged speckle leaves so it'll be perfectly fine and now is the time to start liquid feeding indoor plants as well start okay. giving them a, Give a bit them of a, a tonic bit. now Lovely we're going to have to leave it there Porrick uh, so we will be out in the garden in the next half we hour We will and I'll be in the garden centre actually this afternoon if people want to pop in if they have any questions for me from 12 o'clock on I'll be in, ter- in our centre in Turlock um, so I'll be there for the for the rest of the afternoon Okay well, enjoy the gardening, enjoy the weather if you are out and about for the weekend. Uh, that's my lot for this morning. Michael Neary up next with Country Classics until next Saturday, just after seven. Have yourselves a great weekend.